It's Monday, December 24th, 2018. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this is episode 189 of the 5049 podcast. How you guys doing? You all right? Thanks for joining us for a conversation between myself and a truly unique and utterly delightful musician. Today on the show, it's me and Cab Baird. Let's have a listen. Cab's a good one, and uh, so is today's episode. Today on the show, Cab Baird. Before we get into it, I just want to say very quickly... Merry Christmas. Today is Christmas Eve, and, uh, you know, I love Christmas. I always have. Uh, I like this time of year a lot. And and did you guys see, um, like, a week or two ago, that guy, Stephen Miller? He was on CNN, and he, like, really aggressively uh, uh, said Merry Christmas two or three times to the um, the lady that was interviewing him. I thought that was kind of funny, and I've been doing that uh, ever since then, just aggressively saying it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that, that guy's a fucking maniac. Uh, he's definitely my favorite. Like uh, Of all those like Trump villains, I think he's the best one. He's good. Um, but seriously, Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope you guys are all with, with the people that you care about. Uh, you know, Christian bullshit aside, you know, I, I think it's nice to, to get together with friends and family and, and cook and hang out and laugh and, and trade gifts. I'm into it. So I hope uh, th- this time of year is treating you all real good. What do you guys know about Cabaird? First of all, you need to know how to pronounce her name. Her first name is Ka. Like uh, Kathleen, but without the thleen at the end. Ka. Ka is a really unique individual. I kind of became aware of her um, a couple years ago. I guess shortly after she arrived in New York. I think she, she got here in 2014, as you'll hear on the show today. She was a founding member uh, of the band that's been going for years and years. Spires that in the sunset rise. It's a fucking awesome name. Uh, how, how do you describe the music of Spires? It's pretty seminal uh, weirdo folk music. Can I say that? Uh, you know, if, if you're not previously familiar with the band, we do talk about it pretty good bit today. It is uh, a collection of people. I think now it's just two. Now it's just two people. Uh Playing all kinds of instruments, from found instruments and junk and garbage to uh, a lot of different world instruments, you know, coming out the other side with a pretty unique blend of folk, outsider, psychedelic, you know, maniac music. Uh, the band has certainly had a long and continuous evolution, uh, and and when you hear it, you know, it's it's like you know they've been described as a female version of the Sun City Girls, and it's not it's not so inaccurate. For pretty much her entire adult life, Ka 
has spent um, uh, uh, spent that time as as a wanderer. She's traveled and lived a lot of places, and you know we talk about that a good bit today. Since she got here to New York, uh, she's been doing primarily solo stuff. That bi- uh, bit of music that was playing at the start of the show, it's from a record that came out last year on Drag City. It's called Sapropelic Picnic. Wild, wild shit. It's uh, certainly a continuation of everything that she's done for the last several years, but in like a really beautiful, distilled um, nugget of beauty. I highly recommend the record, and I highly recommend checking her out live. It's a lot of flute and voice-based uh, uh, sort of ecstatic solo performance. Um, and Kat is just a fucking cool person. I ran into her a couple nights ago at a party. And if I didn't, you know, we had just recorded this thing like a week before. So it was, you know, it was great to, to see each other again. But even if I wasn't seeing someone that I knew and recognized, I would have said, who is that? And I think I walked up to her and I was like, dude, you're fucking cool. She just had like a great set of aviator uh, sunglasses and this wild looking orange shirt and matching orange bandana. It was, uh, she's cool. Um, you should check her out. Kat is here to stay. And, and since arriving in New York, you know, she's been stomping the earth and doing a lot of cool work. She just finished up a, a residency at Roulette. Check her out online. It's cabbaird.com. K-A-B-A-I-R-D dot com. You're going to be hearing from her for a long time. She ain't going anywhere. So so, so dip in if you haven't already. And for you, the, those of you that already know her and know her work, I, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. It was certainly a lot of fun for me. CabBaird.com If you're enjoying this podcast, and I hope you are, please consider uh, helping out. Go to the Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash 5049podcast. Throw in a few bucks. Become a monthly donor. Uh, also, rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps. Helps, uh, helps us with visibility. That's it. Uh, I hope you guys are having a good Christmas. I, I, I hope the, the good part of the holiday is prevailing and that you guys aren't, you know, staring down from a ledge right now. Here's my conversation with Cab Baird. Central Illinois, and and was in Chicago for many, many years, and then also Madison, Wisconsin directly before, and then there's a few other variations of Seattle and 
North Carolina. And oh, really? Where in North New, Carolina? New Orleans, very oh. briefly. Uh, North Carolina, I would say, was sort of a lost year of sorts. Was it Asheville? Or? What the hell? Was, was it Asheville? There, honestly. No, that would have been the good choice. Was it Raleigh? Where was it? Was it was fucking Raleigh. Yeah. And we were just, it was, it was really like at a time in our life where we just looked at the map and pointed at a place and went. It so was, you, it, anyway, that's sort of like, in, yeah. Right. No, I, I think, do you know Eli Kessler? Yes. Drummer? Yes. I remember he was telling me that he was like, and I'm like sort of jealous of this like sense of, um, that he had this. He was like, yeah, I knew I didn't need to move to New York until I had like my shit together. So he sort of like spent his, er- after college, like early years developing his stuff um, in Providence. Okay. I think it's where it was, it was Providence. Um, but like, I- I'm kind of jealous of people, like I think it's smart to live all over <laughs> before yeah to, well it definitely wasn't like a plan right it was never the plan right i mean i mean chicago was really where like my music career chicago's started such a good started and um i mean it, that's where you know my band spires started yeah and that's where um yeah do you, i mean do you feel like I mean, I've only been to Chicago a handful of times and only ever for like a day at a time. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like like using my, my feelers, like it feels like a real place. It feels like they're maintaining some characteristic that's specific to them much more um, doggedly than we are here, certainly. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's like the size difference, but I mean, yeah, Chicago is a very like doable place. Yeah. It's very, it's it's still pretty affordable. Although it's changing, but yeah. it's still pretty affordable, and it has um, uh, a scene where, like you know, the jazz musicians will collaborate with the electronic musicians, right. and I it's, mean, yeah, Chicago yeah. is sort of like I think it's small enough that it has more of that crossbreeding going on. Were you there in the nineties? I was there from like ninety nine to two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chicago. So late nineties. I think I miss like the U.S. Maple right thing. Right, right. Like they might have just sort of they just landed left. <laughs> right when I moved there. But tortoise yeah. would have been going strong. Tortoise would have gone. I wasn't like a huge, huge right. tortoise. I like the early stuff, but um, I mean, yeah, it it was a great scene. Like uh, uh Metalux, Carbon's band yeah. with Jenny Graff and um, the Flying Ludenbachers. Uh-huh. Were bands at the time. Lake of Dracula. Whoa, was so, Lake do of you Dracula? remember that? No, I never oh, heard okay. of that. <laughs> that sounds cool. Um, the name alone is I know. Awesome. I'm trying to remember who was in that. Um, yeah, there were there were there were there were a Dream Weapon. Um, Rob, you know Rob Lowe. He had yeah, this uh, Lichens. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That started in Chicago. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know like Carbon. And Rob from Chicago days. You know, that makes perfect sense to me. And I think like Chicago, I've talked about this a good bit with Vandermark, um, Mm -hmm. that Chicago, I think more organically than a lot of places, uh, these scenes kind of just exist together without it being like a stated purpose, you know? And certainly like when Van, you know, he told me a lot of stories about when he first started booking his own shows, it was often like rock band, improvised group jazz group and i think like n- quite naturally people like carbon 
and Rob, and you are going to just sort of like emerge from a landscape like that. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, one of my like oldest friends, uh, Steve Krakow. I don't know if you've heard of him, aka Plastic Crime Wave. I've known him since. Well, I met him like my first year of college when I was eighteen. Where'd you go? Um, well, that's a long story. <laughs> well, but, to, uh, um, somewhere, but I mean, my first year of college, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, yeah. but I was on like the 10-year plan. Like I kept, dr- institutions have not necessarily worked for no, me. No, I dropped out. And so, yeah, I'm I'm in and out. And yeah. I dropped out of college like four times, but I did get my degree, believe it or not. And yeah. I even somehow even managed at 42 to get a master's degree, but really? it was all very like, anyway, anyway, anyway. But yeah. so my first year was in Champaign where I met Steve and he, um, he, he puts out this magazine through Drag City called Galactic Zoo Dossier. And okay. it's all ab- mostly about like music from the sixties and seventies. He's a oh. total music historian from that. Like time period specific. specifically like psychedelic, psychedelic yeah. music yeah, 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 however yeah. you want to define that yeah. but um and so he like just was a huge influence um on me and my longtime collaborator who i actually grew up with in decatur illinois uh tara lee peterson that's from spires uh, who's yeah, yeah who's inspires um with just, you know, like everything from like Japanese noise to like cracked outsider folk yeah. to uh, no wave. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I really I really thank him a lot. He would send a, uh, that year, that lost year in North Carolina. He sent us tons of these cassettes with, you know, like. Uh, Eight-Eyed Spy on one side and Harry Pussy on the other. Yeah. You know, and um, Comus on one side and like Vashti Bunyan on the other. Oh, this is and, like great shit. Yeah, I know he's... Solid stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, anyway, I guess what I was saying is that like, yeah, Steve now lives in Chicago and is like a major uh, player in the Chicago scene and uh, does a lot of like curation yeah. and was one of the, you know, I think he booked the Spires very first show in oh, 2001. Wow. He helped release our very first record through his oh, disc. Yeah, so so like, an important guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was even in one of my very, very first bands in Champaign called uh, Paul Molive after the uh, Raincoats drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Champagne Urbana, isn't that where like Bix Biter Biter uh, Beck was from maybe okay, honestly okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was such a weirdo that year I yeah. was so young and but, lost I mean, towns and are the place to be a weirdo totally I guess I, I mean, mean it could be I don't know <laughs> I mean that year I really I mean whatever my life is my life and I don't have regrets but like you know learning and studies was really low on the list for me that year I basically yeah. went to the University of Illinois because my band was there uh-huh. and we wanted to continue to re- keep writing music and I that was really all I cared about and I it was it was just a rough year I think just transitioning and whatever it's a hard year for probably a lot of sure. people but it's particularly hard for me I mean I was wasn't probably helping that I was doing tons of marijuana and LSD and uh, this I don't know I mean you know that stuff if you're if you're already like <laughs> kind of uh experiencing some sort of you know confusion or turmoil that stuff can really sort of amplify it <laughs> yes and but, i remember having yeah i, I was terrible delusions of grandeur i remember like oh yeah? uh yeah like having these 
<laughs> this moment of just what is it to be insane? You know, <laughs> you know I think that's like a good thing to experience. For sure, for sure, for sure. No regrets. No like, regrets. But extreme behavior too? You know, most of it was very internal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was in a band um, and I was not very communicative in this band. I would play the bass at the time and uh-huh. I would just often just turn my back to my other bandmates and like look out the window you know I was very what was that about oh I don't know I was socially I was a social mess I was very socially awkward yeah extremely extremely shy extremely shy yeah yeah Yeah, me too (laughs) yeah but you know um but you only stuck around Champagne and Brana for a year right yeah yeah, yeah. I only stuck around Champagne Urbana for a year I was so at like 19 I I kind of took off. I don't know if I was running away or what, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't know what I needed or wanted to do. I felt like ever since I was super little, I was always very insatiable in terms of my interests, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I have this thing of just like wanting to like encapsulate a room mm-hmm. or encapsulate a genre or like taking trying to take in too much, and. Um, yeah, I think I was just having your basic 19-year-old, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to be by myself right now. So I kind of disappeared another last year. Really? Where was <laughs> that? like all, oh my God, this was in Indianapolis. Oh, no geez. comment, nothing yeah. to say here. And I, ju- I was seriously, that was another one where I just looked at the map and pointed and boom. Um, and that year, all I did was like just read Sounds, and like, sounds all right. No, it sounds great. I still look back at that year fondly. Like yeah. I was just like reading one Dostoevsky novel after the next, and like you know all this uh, philosophy. I think I fucking read the whole New and Old Testament. I mean, what the hell? I mean, this is like if you're I, doing that, you don't need to be in college. Seriously. <laughs> well, exactly. Seriously. Exactly. My approach to college was always terrible. I mean, I. I always was like, well, I want to take the classes I want to take. And they're like, wait a minute, but you need to like find a focus. So like, you know, I started in English, then I like moved to uh, philosophy and religion. And then I went to history. And then I went to, it's like, I don't know. Finally, I, I eventually, 10 years down the line, I did get a degree in art. Right, <laughs> which is helping you make a million bucks a year now. <laughs> I don't know why people go to college. Like, if you have an opportunity to go to like you know some amazing art school, yeah, or, yeah, 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 and, yeah. and you know you don't aren't really worried about making money in the future, like you should absolutely do it. But to go to college to become an expert in something that'll help you earn a living to me is insane. Unless you're going to go to like learn finance and learn how to defraud people, there's like nothing else <laughs> oh worth studying. God. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb and ignorant, but like I, for my entire adult life, like I, I went to a really shitty college because I was a bad high school student for a year and yeah, said this isn't yeah, for me. Yeah, I dropped yeah, yeah. out, did a vocational <laughs> program somewhere, um, and now, and I felt hor- I felt so self conscious about it my entire adult life. I felt so self conscious, but now I read all these stories about people like suffocating under student debt. Oh, I ain't got none of that. Yeah, I got out of that. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And I, even the art degree I got, I kind of squeaked out. Like, I felt like I really personally 
kind of malfunction Where'd when I'm in an institution where, yeah. you know, okay. I ended up getting it uh, because my my father is a professor oh. at the smaller arts school in Decatur, Illinois, a biology professor. And so uh, because he was a professor, there was this list of schools that I could actually go to tuition free. Oh, and looking back at it, like there were some pretty decent schools on yeah. there, like Bard and Whoa. a couple others. But like at the time, I don't know. Um I mean, my parents were academics, but they like really didn't. Your mom too? My mom was also a biology teacher at oh, the wow. community college level. So yeah, I come from a family of academics who definitely believe in college. Yeah. Um, but like that list became known as the dreaded tuition exchange list just because I wanted to go to the University of Illinois where it's still a state school. So it's not like insanely expensive, but it was right. still like more than a free school. Like yeah, totally. So I mean, and I can look back and like kind of be sort of like, oh man, why didn't someone tell me like about schools? Like, I don't know, like really progressive schools. Like, like Bard or Oberlin or something like Hancher, this. Yeah. But like I just wasn't my my parents, I guess, weren't that influential in that way. And being from like Decatur, Illinois, right. I guess there wasn't really that like I don't know. It just wasn't in my like vocabulary, I guess. Well, I don't I mean I don't so, I, Yeah, when I find out now, you know, that if you know, I know all these friends. I have groups of friends who went to Wesleyan and groups of friends yeah, who went to too. Oberlin and all this shit. And it's like, I'm like, man, I wish I would have known about that stuff as a teenager. Me, maybe same, I could have like, same. you know, followed a different path. <laughs> but I mean, maybe, you know, that's, you know, it's whatever. You whatever know, it is what uh, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. But it's like if you look at it now and you're like, oh, Bard would have been a really good school for me because it's this like holistic kind of like, you know, stuff you didn't know you didn't know college. Like, how could you have known that that's what you needed? Of course. Of course. I don't know. Of course. I think, you know, I, I had to do it my serpentine way, yeah. which was <laughs> long and drawn out and yeah. very confused. So you lived I, in Champaign, Urbana, and then you went to Indiana. <sighs> okay. And <laughs> then I was in Illinois for a bit, and then I was back in Decatur. Back in, yep. And then I was in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and then I was in New Orleans, Louisiana. Whoa. What was New Orleans like? Oh. Awesome. I mean, it's it's such a special place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I met the craziest and like some of the most creative people I've ever met. Some of the most like tragic people too. Sure. I mean, it's an intense place, especially when I was there, and I think it actually still is. I mean, when yeah. when we got there. Um, we actually were just meaning to just sort of pass through, but we bumped into someone we knew like a block in, it was crazy and got like a place to stay. And, um, he basically told us like that night, like if you want to travel at night, like you have to be on a bike or else you're going to, you're going to, yeah. Yeah. And it's true. The only place I've ever been held up is new Orleans. Um, just on like a, More than once? like on a path. Um, just once, just yeah. once. And you know, it was also this, the kind of thing, like the finger under the shirt, don't re- yeah, yeah, that's not a not bluff so you want to call. Sure. But yeah. but no, it was. I mean, it was actually in New Orleans during like the end of maybe what I will call my final lost year. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> um, two. Th- no, I'm sorry. Whoa, ninety eight, ninety eight. Yeah. So like ninety nine was this year where I was in New Orleans. It was a really short time. I think I was only there actually for like half a year, but it was a really, really rich time. Yeah. And it was during that time in New Orleans where like, I mean, I had always like, I had been, I had this band in high school, uh, Vicky's Box, and then later in that one year in Champagne, uh, Palmolive. Uh-huh. But like, uh, it was in 
New Orleans where I started to like kind of like record music on my own and I had this like handheld tape recorder okay. that I did amazing things yeah. with really. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. like just place it like at the edge of a table, get your voice right up there on uh-huh. the speaker. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh and I kind of think that it was like during that time in New Orleans where like I finally was like, wow, okay, music is the most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Music is the most immediate thing. Music is the most affecting thing for me. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. is what I want to do. And a resolute decision that I want to create and I don't want to consume, you know? Mm. And these were like, at that point, pretty, pretty soon after that, I moved to Chicago. Mm. And then that's when eventually Spires and the Sense of Rise formed. But musically, what was going into that tape recorder? Was it with songs oh. you had written, <laughs> improvisation? So at that time, yeah, I would say that I was probably more in the like, I don't know. Yeah, it was like very confessional acoustic uh. guitar and voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, and just those two instruments, voice. Yeah, and it, it was really strange. Yeah, but that's, that, that's the right format for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like actually, you know what? I did some old school like overdubbing too, yeah, where I would like, like play. Th- I would play the cassette tape on a stereo, yeah. and then record another track. Side A to side so, B. Yeah, side B. <laughs> maybe I did like like a like a like some kind of wind instrument or something or an organ. I think I had yeah. an organ to one track. But still, it's like you know, I'm a big Elliot Smith fan. Yeah, and like that first record, like if that had been done in like a real studio. It would have the impact of that music would have been lessened by I swear to God fifty percent. Oh yeah, for I, sure. Yeah, I think sure. that type of music, if you're for like sure. confused, lonely, uh, or just like <laughs> telling something that you've never told someone before, it should be into like a shitty little recorder. It yeah. shouldn't be, yeah, you know, yeah. condenser mics and you know pristine. Audio yeah, quality. I mean, I think I still have that cassette tape somewhere, somewhere in the archives. Yeah. It's, you, I mean, it's no, it's not any good. Sure, but you got to, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've told this on here before, and I, one of my great regrets is I got a four track when I was 13. Yeah. And just started making songs and shit every single day. And if I w- ran out of tape, I would just record over a tape I had made. And like instead of going to like Radio Shack and spending 50 cents yeah, or a dollar right. <laughs> on a Maxell tape, like, and I still, to this day, like I'm so angry with myself for having not uh, taken, you know, Taking care of that stuff better and preserving it. Oh, I know. I've been the worst archivist in my life. I really, really regret it. I deeply regret it because, like, especially a lot of like the visual art I did when I was in my early twenties. I've just over the years, from one move to the next, just kind of like, eh, pitch it. Oh, don't do that. And like, I've done it way too much. I really regret it. Yeah, Yeah. I regret it more than anything. My brother, meanwhile, is like such a good archivist. He's got like he's 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 a writer and a visual artist, and he's got these like like you know troves these like chests of archives and i'm like all i got are these albums yeah well that's you know (laughs) it occurred to me um you know i do a lot like audio recording and a few years ago several people started hiring me um, when the stone was on avenue c and they were doing their residencies to come like record multi-track record their residencies Yeah, yeah so all of a sudden i looked at this hard drive and I had all this, like, I mean, amazing fucking music. None of it has been released, but, I mean, like, amazing top shelf, you know, improvised course, music. And it's labeled cleanly. And, it's, and I'm like, why don't I do that with my own stuff? Like, I And know. that was sort of that moment of, like, oh, yeah, if I don't treat my stuff with respect that yeah. it deserves, no one else is going to. Totally. I mean, these archives are really important. I mean, I have done, a, like, when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, I did a bunch of, uh, I hosted a bunch of shows at my house at yeah. the time. And, uh, I don't know, probably, like, 
15 or so shows like uh, Tatia Nakatani right. and Suzuka Junzo and uh, John Mueller. I don't know if you know him. He's an amazing drummer from Milwaukee. Check him out. Um, John Mueller. Yeah. He didn't play in Wolf Eyes, did he? He did not play in Wolf okay. Eyes. No, that's John Olsen. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, John Mueller. Yeah. He. I don't think he's as well known out here. Okay. Um, I know like. Greg Fox and stuff like definitely know him and love him mm-hmm. but he does like this really repetitive like uh, drum stuff that just gets super 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 transcendent um, yeah. but anyway point being like I wish so much I had like documented those those performance series um, as well as now here in New York my partner and I are also hosting what we're hoping to be seasonal things at our loft space in Greenpoint and the like just the idea of like documenting those which I've actually at the last couple of shows Leah Bertucci and Eve Essex have both like helped and come in and done some audio recording which yeah. is really great yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, these are like these are things it'll be so appreciated I yeah. think well I mean we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more in a minute but you know I know you just or you're still doing a roulette residency or you're done with it? Well, I am done with like the nuts and bolts right. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, if you go to either Jim Staley's place on West Broadway or to the basement of roulette in Brooklyn, uh-huh. the archive that he's maintained of all of the activity that's taken place there, I think for like 40 years now. Yeah. Flyers, photos, audio recording, it's all there. Like, I don't know if. Uh, most people in this world are cognizant of the treasure trove of an archive that he's sitting on. Amazing. And it's well-maintained. Everything's labeled. Most of it's, you know, it's, they've been making big effort to digitize it. Um, yeah. yeah. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so New Orleans was only six months. New Orleans was only six months. Um, yeah. I think that like, it was, it, I had like a little bit of a nest egg at that point and I just sort of was living freely and when it came time to like, oh, I actually like <laughs> need to like make money and get a job, I wasn't quite sure where or if. And yeah. it, also, again, there was a lot, it was also a very desperate place. There was a lot of artists I was hanging around that were like really heavy into some bad things mm-hmm. and yeah. it was intense. So like, yeah. I felt like I kind of gleaned what I wanted from it for now and um decided to go ahead and come back to 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 the midwest and um and then and then yeah like uh, i think it was like 2001 when uh i came back to or I was, no i'm sorry it was 99 when i moved to chicago but then it was like maybe 2000 ish mm-hmm. when i started to play music with uh with Tara Lee and Georgia, mm-hmm. who were then just starting to kind of like mess around with like the first workings of uh, Spires. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, at the time, like I think all of us, at that time, we were all really into like um, world music. We were really into like, with Smithsonian Forkways recordings and the Spine so, Frequencies so recordings. And, you know, Chicago has this great world music festival that kind of blew our brains. There was this great yeah. band, like this Warsaw Village band was just mind-blowing. We're all, of course, into Gamelon. Yeah. And Tara and I both just had this obsession with exotic instruments. I mean, it's, it's I don't think we even really knew at the time like what cultural appropriation is. Sure. Was. Yeah, yeah. But, but we, I'm glad you didn't because maybe you would have pres- yeah, stopped yourself from exploring to, shit. To be fair, like, it, I don't think anyone would call what Spires did was really sure. cultural appropriation because we were playing everything incorrectly 
and detuning everything sure. and banging on you know instruments the way they aren't meant to be played but i mean we well, yeah, you're probably like, doing the same thing with guitars and voices <laughs> fuck it all of it <laughs> yeah. all of it yeah, 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 yeah so i mean spires was all about like you know embiras and zithers oh. and turkish spike fiddle and tara picked up the cello and still we, and guitars where were you finding these instruments you're collecting them trash, trash literally yeah. some things were in the trash from the trash um some things were gifts or given um a lot of it came very without even spending any money but there was this place in chicago that still exists it's called andy's music uh -huh. and um it's so fun to go there if you are in chicago it's now in a huge way big warehouse i think the owner maybe is like terrible like a trump supporter but still like the um it's just a, a fun house of world instruments and you can go around and play anything and everything yeah and uh, a lot of things are like very hard to play and you don't know how to play them but a lot of them you can like just tons of different kind of like organs uh harmoniums oh. and um gongs Those are and like weird things you don't even know what they are like yeah. weird xylophones yeah um so yeah we just like i think these like those first couple spires records were just us just like you know putting like one of those cheap dean markley contact mics on like an imbira and then like running it through like a couple pedals yeah <laughs> and that's just, what you do boom and yeah. like in like that resonating chamber of of what that can do um and, and but as far as the music itself, you guys were improvising, you were coming up so, with structures. So it, it, a lot of people think that first Spires record, or even the first couple, uh -huh. is pretty improv. But I am here to say it was very <laughs> composed. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, in classic Spires fashion, there were it, we had very much these formulas when we first started out. Like There were these definite parts, but then would always have this sort of like breakdown for like mm. a couple measures where it was free sure but then it would like go back into it yeah and then a breakdown and those like spires breakdowns became like kind of predictable honestly yeah but when i first started playing with tara and george i actually was playing uh i was playing the drums when i first okay. started like a yeah. trap kit it was like a makeshift kit that we put together that was like a stand-up kit that became the kit for the spires throughout the whole time it uh -huh. was like uh two toms um a snare, a hi hat, a couple cymbals, maybe a crash and ride. Yeah, there was no bass drum, which um, I don't know why we didn't do. Yeah, that. your feet are kind of you know you're not you're not using everything. <laughs> why we didn't do that? Yeah, but it but but the, but the but the point of like being up and playing was really fun. Sure. And um, so yeah, like Spires became like again like I think. I was kind of like going back and just like listening to a couple things before this just because like I have been doing this for so long that I yeah. kind of lost perspective on things. And it's really only been like I feel like in the last like maybe five years or something that I've like actually been able to like appreciate and like see what spires was at that mm -hmm. time or like what we represented at that time because i mean at the time believe it or not i feel like i mean i knew we were writing weird music i did but like in a lot of ways i just felt like we were just like trying to write a song mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and now i look back and it's like wow like we were you know we were this weird like raincoatsy harry parchian like um comacy sort of thing that I like had no idea yeah. that we were like in this kind of like trajectory um and 
Anyway, so I can actually like really like it's fun when you can listen to your own record. Totally and, like, appreciate it. You or know what I mean? Because like, I was a lot of those early records I had a hard time listening to for many many years. Of course, yeah, of course. It's like looking at like a high school yearbook photo or reading like of a course. poetry yeah, you wrote yeah, when you were a teenager, yeah. right? But you find like yeah, when you can finally find yourself comfortable enough to go back and like check it out and actually really listen for like things that you didn't even weren't even aware of back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's it's totally like like revelatory and there's um like another thing that happens with that is sometimes you like there's this piece of music i discovered uh about 10 years ago by the composer richard maxfield hmm, i don't know he was not right he killed himself uh in the 60s he was making stuff like early electronic music there's this piece of music called bacchanalia and it was recorded in the late 50s and i'm listening to it it's a tape piece and it's like he's we're drawing from the same place. Okay. You know, I, I didn't, you know, clearly there are currents that you're not, you might not know that they're out there, but like we're tapping into them, you know? And I listened to it. I was like, holy fuck, this is like, if I had heard this as a teenager, I would have felt so much more uh, like confident, you know? That, totally. That like a, a grown adult with a degree was doing this shit, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, It's so good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, so like, and, I don't know if you you remember that. Uh, I don't know if it's terrible. Maybe that the new weird America thing that they you know. And I mean, I like Devandra Banhart stuff. Well, I think that I mean, I maybe they throw him in there. Yeah. I feel like maybe I maybe if you looked at like the Wikipedia, they'd probably uh-huh. say like bands like No Neck Blues Band yeah. and Sunburned Hand of the Man yeah. and Jack Rose yep. and like Matt Valentine. Yeah, okay. I don't know, maybe like some of that early like Tower Recording stuff, which is actually how I first heard of Samara because she was on one of those like early Tower Recordings records. But um, anyway, I think, I mean, Spires definitely were like right in the heyday yeah. of that like new weird America slash freak folk thing. Uh-huh. And I mean, I feel like I can say with like 100% conviction that, and not to be like egotistical, right, 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 yeah. that Spire's, we're the true blue fucking freaks. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to go on record saying yeah. that because, I mean, all the other ones were taking from the tradition yeah. and kind of just trying to reproduce it. Yeah. Through like, you're trying to sound like Pentangle or uh, Incredible String Band or something like this. Whereas like Spires, it was just like, what the fuck are you fucking doing? And, you know, in a lot of those early interviews, we would get, you know, it was just, it was kind of cliche. And at the time I resisted it, we were called witches all the time. Hey, who called you like, that? People would interview us really? and like, I mean, and, and like, I mean, they wouldn't say like you're a witch, right? But like, your sounds are really like witchy. I mean, they and they were. We sure, but would they have said that to male performers? Of course, fucking not. Right. Of course not. Which is why I resisted it at the time. Yeah. But now I guess I feel like I don't. Maybe that word has become like. Uh, What's that? What's that word when you reown something? Oh, like, reclaim! Right, right. right. I feel like just like the, the geeks have reclaimed the geek. Whatever, I can reclaim witch and be fine. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. I'm a fucking witch. That's fine. Okay. I've never <laughs> not used that word. I've only ever used that word in an insulting way. Okay. See, I mean, a lot of people. I think do, some people do use it in in a, in a complimentary way. Right. But, I mean, like magic with a K at the end, kind of thing. <laughs> right. No, but like literally. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why I resisted it because I was like not into like. Anything close to Wiccan or anything, yeah. that, you know, you weren't like, doing all. ceremonies in the forest. No, and I was not burning. I was not pine or whatever. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I've since had friends who are into that, and 
<laughs> yeah, I, I have done a fuck a couple of these, but I, it's always kind of with like a <laughs> right. But I, not to dismiss it, you know. No, of course I mean, not. Yeah, but yeah, it's hard not to like. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a fucking dork but like i don't take anything that seriously <laughs> so like even if like i go to like, like or any like religious thing I'm well like, yeah is- i mean i had a roommate in madison wisconsin who was really into like starhawk i don't know if you're familiar Whoa, with her she's like this Sick uh big time feminist um who kind of uh started this thing called um reclaiming tradition where mm-hmm. she was reclaiming kind of like the matriarchal religions and it's also very it's also this reclaiming tradition is also super political as well mm-hmm. and they do do cool stuff um but they also they have these like witch festivals and stuff and so my friend was really into her and invited me to go to a couple of these like um rituals and it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm all into about like gathering energy or whatever, yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. coming together. But I mean, basically, that's what music making is for yeah. me and playing music with Absolutely. people. 100%. But yeah, like th- I can never fully embrace it or get into it because they had these like songs that they would burst into that were so cheesy <laughs> and it would just like get me out of any kind of semblance of a trance you I know, was in. It was like, leaves falling down to the ground. I mean, right. it was really like earthy and just so It's so cheesy. funny that you I'm say like, just that, give me a drone. Like, I, can't, I can't get down with any like philosophical, religious, um, anything if the music's a drag. I know. And conversely, it's- like I don't know if you noticed when you walked in, but I was listening to monk chants <laughs> and like all the, like the, Honestly, I was like, I was in France a month ago and I went to an organ recital at the Cathedral of Notre Dame and I was literally, I was like, I'm going to become a Catholic. I'm going to convert. Like, I'm going to, it's the music that moving to me, you know, that. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the aesthetics, unfortunately. I mean, it's just like when you're in a yoga class and And the music's a drag. Terrible. Like, shitty. Like, I feel like I was in. You know, a yoga class once in in like warrior pose, and someone put on like fucking Coldplay or something. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a minute. Well, it's so funny because my wife, like, <laughs> she in the last ten years, like a big part of her entire life, her professional life, her personal life, has become based around uh, her involvement with you know feng shui and ikebana and okay, lots yeah. of kind of like holistic stuff. And when we met, she turned me on to so much music I had no idea about. Whether it was like the Cure. The Cocktoo Twins, oh, yeah. um, fucking, you know, like Nick Cave, like all this really cool kind of goth out stuff. And now that she's like super deep into this stuff, it's like I listen to what she's listening to, and it's like wind chimes. And like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, what happened? Like, you don't need to ditch like the refined aesthetic completely. Like that shit before was, you know, really cool. Well, we all change. Yeah, I know. We all change. Whatever floats your boat, you know. Um. So. Uh, wait, so you went to Madison after New Orleans? No, or you went to Chicago? sorry, I know it's tricky. No, um, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in Chicago um, after New Orleans, yeah, and so that was probably yeah, like ninety nine to two thousand six, mm. and um, oh, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good time. Where did you uh, live? One of like the main. Uh, I lived in a few different places. I lived in. Uh, Lincoln Square. I lived in Uptown. I lived in Pilsen. Yeah. Um, 
most of all my friends lived in Logan Square and like Ukrainian Village, but I actually never lived there permanently. One of my one of my housemates was uh, Josephine Foster. I don't know if you're familiar with her at all. She's yeah. also from kind of I guess that new new weird America uh-huh. scene. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say that those like Chicago years, like one like there was these festivals that happened three years in a row that my friend Steve Krakow, Steve Krakow. hosted. Yeah, Look him yeah. up. Uh, called the Million Tongues Festivals. I actually just saw C. Spencer Yeh the other night at a basement, and I was like, "Do you remember the, the Million Tongues Festival?" House, because by the way, just real quick, how sick is a basement? What a basement? A basement. It's the best, right? The oh, good as a side. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Confirm, confirmation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing how it's the, amazing how the people come out, though. I mean, that's what but, makes it so amazing but, too. And the people that are there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're not preaching to the choir. Yeah, it's 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 one of the most like. Someone asked me, like, who had been outside of New York for many years, like, where do the musicians hang these days? And I kind of had a hard time answering that. I mean, I guess people, I was, I was, I wasn't here during like the Zebulon days or whatever. That was a good thing, yeah. But like, people say that was a big hangout time, place yeah. and other, some other, pla- but anyway, the only the two places I thought of was, well, a basement. And then I don't know if you've been to this like Sunview Luncheonette. You know, in I keep hearing Green about it. Point, that like, yeah, you can become a member and then have a host a show there. It's super small and like just super chill and very like lo-fi sound. But it's like, yeah, I got that community thing going okay. on, like a basement. It's good to know, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I was at a basement and I was like asking Spencer if he remembered the million tongues. And I kind of had to jog his memory a bit because I think that was the uh Burning Star Corps. I think uh-huh. that was the name of his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh you have all these all these festivals like three years in a row, which was like to me like such like the synthesis of that time where he would bring like a legend in or a couple legends in, uh-huh. like Tony Conrad or yeah. Bert Janch or um Michael Yonkers, uh, Simon Finn. I don't know if these names yeah. mean to you. And then, um, but then he would bring in, or Charlie Nothing. Do you know this guy? Okay, look him up. Okay. Um, but then also then these other, you know, uh, younger mu- uh, musicians that I guess kind of fall, fell into like that New Weird America, like No Neck Blues Band yeah. and Jack Rose. But then also like the uh, noise like like Japanese noise, like the Kawabata Makoto from Asa Mother's Temple, and um, um, oh, and then like certain improvisers like Chris Corsano and Chris, yeah. and Paul Flaherty, which is just yeah, like, they were perpetually point, on tour at that time. At that point, my brain was just like when you heard them, completely and totally open and cracked. I mean, Me too. the collect, just like that that those those festivals where Spires played at a couple of them. Uh-huh. I played solo with the, at one of them as well, and. Uh, Anyway, to me, that's sort of just like, boom, that was like maybe the, the one of the climaxes or something. Of the yeah. Chicago years. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah. And then I and then I moved to uh, and then I moved to Madison partly as a way I, just, I don't know. I for various reasons, I just wanted to get out of the city. And uh, was that before Wisconsin had gone uh, turned into a. Oh, my dump, gosh. Fire? That was. <sighs> I'm forgetting what year Scott Walker was elected. Um, I mean, it might have been like right, you know, honestly, I think it kind of was shifting towards the bad right around when I got there, frankly. Um, 
Yeah, I'm actually uh, one Dan Kaufman. <laughs> Is that where you were gonna go? <laughs> um, Dan. So like Dan, Samara, uh-huh. Carbon, uh-huh. Spencer, Rob. Those were like my five like touch points of like who I knew when I moved to New York. Yes. And they're all five amazing people. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. I mean, one of my very first shows I think with Spires was with Dan's band Barbez at the Tonic way back in. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Five, four. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm actually reading his book right now. It's incredible, right? And it's yeah, I'm so like I, I'd like to think that his book had something to do with like Tony Evers like getting that. It's good timing. <laughs> but, but now it's another level of fucked upness. So oh god, I mean it's never ending. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, Madison is still like you know, the island of progressivism. And like, I was very involved. I lived there the years during the occupation of the Capitol. And that was, so that would, I forget the year. I think it was like 2010, I think, when they were trying to ram that bill through. Um, For the teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, for like no collective bargaining and also like massive cuts in like, uh, Medicaid uh-huh. and massive cuts like for the universities and education and um, you know I was told one day like whoa there's like a there's a protest up at the Capitol like check it out and um, I didn't know honestly at the time I feel like I was a little tapped out like I, I was I wasn't super like on with what was all going on there at the time but I went to the Capitol all of the teachers in the entire city were there. The Capitol, the Madison Capitol building is this beautiful, beautiful sonic structure. I think it's like a smaller replica of like the Congress building, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And it's just got this rotunda with like this sort of echo chamber that is just jaw dropping and when i went in there supposedly it's also built on like sacred land and so they yeah when i went in there all these teachers were doing these collective chants and like obviously as like a musician like the sonic quality was just fucking did you record any of it you know i did yeah i did my friend at the time had let me borrow this like binaural recording device Uh where the two microphones oh that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i always wanted to get one of those i like for like yeah a few months there in my life i was just like recording everything (laughs) i'm gonna record that leaf like going down the street right now um and it's like going one through one year and then out through the other year. But um, yeah, it was really, really, really powerful. And 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 that was the beginning of an intense, tense protest period that lasted um, a couple weeks and ended with people occup- with the community occupying the Capitol. Yeah. And I I mean, I slept there one night. <laughs> I was there when like one final rammed bill like went through. And I mean, it was it was a really powerful, powerful time. And it was just it was so disheartening, like that there was such momentum and such passion. And then ultimately, at the end, like it didn't change anything, at least in the state of Wisconsin. People say that it was Wisconsin that might have, you know, spurred on the Occupy movement. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. I don't know because it was like really charged and, mm-hmm. and alive. And, you know, they say that all these small steps or all these things add to like the collective unconscious and one little thing, even if it doesn't like black and white change anything, it adds to change maybe eventually. It does. But it still was very, very disheartening. And But I have to imagine also semi-empowering. Well, I mean... It would have been more empowering if we had actually right. changed something, you know? But, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
but, 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 but no, at the same time, just seeing like these kind of like humans all coming together and like having this like common uh, purpose of yeah. being there. And like, I remember at the time I'd go there and I'd be like, oh, I don't feel right chanting. Chanting's weird. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm part of like a, a mass movement. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like, it's crowd hysteria or I don't like chanting. I protest in my own ways. But I just remember like these tea partiers came by and they, I, they were just chanting something terrible. And like all of a sudden I'm just like, that, that, Scott that, that, Walker is a weasel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <I'm> just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came out and um, yeah, it was an intense time. But Madison going on beyond the p- politics, I mean, Madison was an extremely high quality life. Like totally. I felt like for me, it was an, it was a very grounding place. Um, I, I I feel like it's great for food. There's some great like restaurants, co-ops there. Yeah. Um, I ate really well. I did tons of yoga. Like I was just I got really just focused and honed in. Like I was very independent at that time, and like um, I just it was really in Madison where I kind of like was like, okay, I got to like go out and get stuff. I can't just have things come to me, which is kind of like the approach I had had until then in terms of like a lot of things just happen with spires. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Madison, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to start, I'm going to start curating things. I'm going to start calling people to collaborate with. Like, I don't know. One could say cliche, like I came out of my shell or something at this point. Uh, I mean, a good quality of life and like a healthy life balance will lead to that kind of stuff happening yeah yeah totally you know totally when you can sort of suss things out and take a breath and look around and say oh these problems aren't as insurmountable as i thought or you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and um but yeah eventually i decided i wanted um eventually that high quality of life became boring i guess (laughs) yeah i know that happens how so you were there for how long way longer than I thought oh my god I thought it was gonna be a transition to somewhere else Mm -hmm. but it was I was in Madison from about 2007 until I moved here 2014 seven years yeah yeah. and that's when I got my master's degree I got a master's degree in fucking library studies which at the time I thought was a super practical decision Uh, I mean public libraries have been like a huge thing for me my whole life like for the consciousness of of humanity and I still like I'm a huge believer in public libraries they're like the only like socialist institution in our society right i mean yeah or in Amer- i mean but anyway so yeah i got a my master's degree um but anyway i just it it just it just it just at that point i was tired i was felt very limited artistically yeah um were you touring a lot was i mean aspires was touring i mean throughout like Spires has like consistently been since 2001. Spires has been consistent. It's, it's now down to just Tara and I. It used to be like four of us. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we would tour at least maybe domestically twice a year. Okay. Some, Europe several times. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for people that tour constantly, um, I don't understand why they would live in an expensive place. <laughs> Like a friend of mine who tours incessantly, he just made the decision to leave New York. Yeah, he moved yeah, to a city in Europe yeah. that's like really affordable and it's like the smartest thing he's ever done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I was like, Madison is sustainable if I leave a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, honestly, I think the ratio just wasn't quite right. Maybe I wasn't leaving enough. Right. And um, 
I just felt, and I, yeah, I, you know, I, I had a decent job working in the public libraries there, but I just, I was tired of the music scene to me, mostly just being like young 20 year old, 20 something year old boys, you know, like I wanted to be in a scene that had age diversity. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in a scene that had, you know, color diversity Mm -hmm. and gender diversity and, um, I just, I felt super limited and I felt kind of bored and I felt like I needed like a jump. That being said, I didn't really know what I wanted. All I know is that at one point in 2013, I decided I need to get the hell out of Dodge and I took a trip to New York City and there were three people I was going to stay with. One was Pat Goobler, one was Dan Kaufman, and one was this person I just met, Camille Padgett Coles, uh, at a recording session a few months earlier in the city. And on that trip, I ended up falling in love with Camilla Patrick Okay. And a year later, I move. So, like, yeah. it just, it was, like, a total, like, wonderful stroke of fate and uh, made the transition into the city, like, so easy. Yeah. Or easier. Yeah. She had a place and a loft and a really nice spot. Um, and I just felt like... You know, as soon as I got here, even those first visits, I just feel, and it might have just been in my head, but it just like, just looks I would get, or just, I know it's in my head, but I'm like, you, you know, like, they're like, you need to come, come to New York City, you know, yeah. come, come, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and while I'll say the first couple years in New York were like rough and still definitely are at the times. Like, in what way rough? Like, well, oh, just, um, just getting from A to B and, mm-hmm. and, and financially and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, practical stuff. The practical shit. Yeah. But even like, yeah, like getting my feet wet with like playing gigs and stuff. Um, but I feel like in the last couple of years, New York has been so gracious and so welcoming and has been yeah. like so good for me. Yeah. And um, honestly, it's been it's been so wonderful to like after after my main focus being a band from 2001 to 2013. It's a long time. It's a long time. It's a fucking long time, yeah. And I have to say, my bandmate Tara Lee, she's a tough one. Where is she now? We would would throw things at each other. I mean, like... Right, 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 right. <laughs> we were both extremely, or are extremely opinionated. And yeah, but I mean, whatever. I think it created some cool things, no doubt. She's still in Madison. Yeah. She has a kid. And uh, uh, he's 16 now. Whoa. And, um, or 15. 15. 15. I don't think he's 16 yet. 15. Right. And I think she, I think she's feeling pretty restless in Madison. <laughs> God. <laughs> But she's got a kid. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is a great place for kids. It's a great totally, place for kids. Totally, right. But yeah, I wasn't planning on having a kid, blah, 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 blah. So um, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, just just being able to like really just kind of focus on being a solo musician has been really, really great for me. Uh-huh. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of going backwards a little bit, but like, I mean, for years and years, I was, uh, I really kind of hated performing, honestly. What aspect of it? Um, I would get so I would get so nervous uh-huh. and insecure, uh-huh. and I would not even be able to look up at the audience. Uh-huh. And I get, I mean, especially guitar for some reason made me so nervous. And like, I still got a rush from it, but like, I kind of hated it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until when Spire started doing a little bit more like improvisation and stuff that I was able to just like truly, truly start to enjoy performance, and. To, to to now where like my performances now have become like way more uh 
embodied and like it's just a pure joy to play yeah and it's so yeah it's a pure joy now honestly. yeah and i'm just i'm so grateful that yeah yeah and that's doing the solo stuff mostly but i i would say that that's gone across now into like other collaborations that i've done as well so, i mean i know you do a lot of solo stuff and you just put out this record last year um yeah, yeah, yeah. but have you you've been collaborating with a lot of people since moving here yeah yeah i would say that i've most of my performances have been solo yeah. but i've I've definitely had a slew of collaborations, um, and it's it's so fun. It's fun. It's fun to do it. I, yeah. I I think that like I I want to go through phases where I do a more. I just did a really fun collaboration with Carbon actually. Oh really? Off Space a couple weeks ago, which is really wild and cool. Yeah. Um, when I first got into town, I collaborated with Marsha a couple times. Marsha. Marsha Bassett. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And. Um, I did a collaboration with C. Spencer Yeh at my at my Lost Space two maybe like three months ago, and that was super super fun. Um, and yeah, a splattering a splattering of, of of several others. Yeah, as well. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's all improvisation. That's improvisation. Yeah. Do you? I, I mean, I've been going through a thing where like I don't really. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's like some version of a midlife crisis or the start onset of it where I'm like I don't even know who my collaborators are anymore like I don't really feel close to anyone anymore and I wonder how much of it is because I've spent a lot of time doing solo stuff and how much I sort of like have maybe withdrawn into my tortoise shell kind of thing you know yeah with age you know yeah, yeah. not going to shows as much yeah. um kind of getting set in patterns but sure like do you uh, are you are you meeting new people and it's exciting to collaborate? That's what's so cool about New York, yeah. you know, is that I it seems like I'll think I kind of have a handle on all the musicians and right. the artists that are here and then and then I'll meet like a whole new slew of them through some performance or show. Yeah. So I mean, I, I to me that's still what makes New York super exciting is just that the sheer number mm-hmm. of of musicians and artists doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that being said, as I said, I think just after having been in a band for so many years, it's still just like, still just, like still a... just like relishing in like my freedom. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, yeah. Do you tour much? This year has been a really busy year for that. Um, more, so, I mean, I've been to Europe four times this year. That's great. Which is, yeah, that's for like extended periods high. or just like one-off stuff. Two of them, two of them were for more extended periods. One was for a shorter tour, just to Portugal, and then one was for kind of like this one-off. Mm-hmm. It was for uh, it was just for this last like festival over there. Little guess who? I don't know if you know that label, Revenge. No, it's an awesome name though. Uh, R V N G. Does that ring a bell at all? I N G. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I did not say you said that. Okay. I'd like it better uh, yeah, if it was just spelt revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was how it was pronounced. Either. Right. I, was I actually I thought I was like, oh, these guys must be on Rivington Street. Is what I thought. I thought it was Rivington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone had to inform me as well. Okay. Um, but I I I was paired with this. Anyway, they have this series called the Freakways series uh-huh. where they pair like an older musician with a younger musician. That's awesome. I don't know if you know that series, like where is it? Like Susan Chiani with like Caitlin Aurelia Smith. And like this is in Portugal? No, 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 no. This is that label Revenge. Okay, they have a series called Freakways. Okay, where they pair an older musician okay. with a younger musician, and they probably have like ten or eleven of these of these releases Whoa. out. Um, 
I wish I was able to remember more of them right offhand, but but it's it's curated by Matt Worth, the the label guy. Okay. And um, anyway, he he had this vision for us to for me to collaborate with this older Finnish musician, uh, Pekka Araksanen, who I actually didn't know okay. who he was, <laughs> although he was referenced in like a review of one of my, of, of my record. Okay. Um, but he's he was in this like band called the Sperm in like this late sixties. Okay. And it was like kind of uh performance art slash electronic y free jazzy sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. pretty pretty wild. Pretty wild. And um so we I met Pekka Erickson in, in Utrecht and then performed at that like Who Festival. And made there. a record. Yeah, so I was I was like, okay, wait, <laughs> exactly. Right. So I was like, okay, you have five days. You're gonna prepare for a live show, and you're gonna record a record, and boom. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I think it. I think it worked okay, because I think we both were pretty used to improvisation. Yeah. But still, like to me, that seemed like an awfully short amount of time. Because to me, like preparing for a live show and recording a record are like. Uh huh pretty different uh-huh. things <laughs> i bet i've made i made a couple of records like that actually yeah Where, oh no for yeah. sure for sure yeah for sure yeah yeah yeah. especially if it's improv right and yeah. you got to spend time it was in uh utrecht you said? yeah 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 so i mean what did you feel like i mean did you get to be there did you get to experience the place and a kind of soak bit, it in a little bit i felt like the whole time i was really stressed out honestly but, because um, of the right right <laughs> but it but, but it was cool it was cool it's a yeah it's a very charming city very much like uh amsterdam but a little smaller with sure. all the canals and stuff how'd the and show go um you know what it went awesome yeah, I was so surprised. Awesome. But no, I was. My <laughs> <laughs> God, I would no. That sounds like an amazing opportunity, though. Yeah, I mean, this year has had wonderful. 2018 has had some really wonderful momentum, and uh, with, for instance, like the roulette this, what presidency, did you... and then also um, some collaborations, other collaborations I did specifically with this uh, choreographer Mariah Evans uh-huh. as well has also been. Like, have, and had you done really... that kind of stuff before working with a choreographer? No, never in any kind of super real way. Maybe like a like a real sort of low pressure sure. one off. Yeah, yeah but this was thing. like where did the show happen? Um, the piece that I just did with her was at the kitchen. Oh shit! Yeah, it just ran. That's the that's yeah, the deep end of the yeah. pool. Yeah. I just ran four nights at the kitchen. Were you yeah, performing? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So the first performance I did with her, um, I was mostly just behind a mixing board, uh-huh. kind of bringing things in and out, and it was very subtle and you know whatever. I think it still was sounds cool, important, whatever. But I kind of told her, Mariah, I was like, "That's you know, this isn't really kind of what I do, honestly. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a way more performative artist. Sure, sure. Um, I think she knew that and. So with the next piece, I think partly it was her vision too to make it way more of a spectacle as well. And so during this last performance, I did have a station where basically all I did was <clears throat> she basically wanted me to rattle the room. She wanted me to make the room rumble. So just intense, intense low sub frequencies, oh, like sounds 40 like heaven. hertz, like really like she kept louder 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 oh that's so good the whole time i'm like looking at the sub to see if it like me and the sound guy are in this like just battle of getting it right underneath that red you know the whole time and she kept saying louder louder and i at times i'd be like 
I'm like torturing these people. And I did do Good. research like, what does, do low tones fuck you up? No. No, it's like being in the womb. It's yeah, great. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. so but that was one of my stations. And then the other station was a couple different, like a kind of acoustical stations where I had um, a, like just my flute mouthpiece mm. where I was just kind of fucking around with just the flute mouthpiece and air and voice. And then another one that had sort of like this little handheld gong with like these little lavender mothballs that I would just sort of scrape on the floor. All mic'd up. and Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that was more acoustic. Okay. But then I had two handheld microphones that one was tuned just to sub bass frequencies. And so I was uh, just fucking with those on my body and on the ground. And then one were uh, stationed where I had two microphones panned hard left right and Mm -hmm. um i had this sort of i guess what you would say this microphone technique Mm -hmm. that has become a bit cliche or (laughs) something like classic microphone technique Uh, which has actually kind of it's been i mean i've gotten injuries with this i don't going between the two mics um so uh my microphone technique is uh like you know like swinging it very fast oh yeah you'll knock your teeth out and so at one show, boom, I was playing with him. Oh, I covered with Brandon Lopez at one show. Okay. And at that show, I was like, I'm going to chill. Okay. Because I had gotten a few injuries uh-huh. recently. I was like, I need to, I'm going to chill. Oh, my God. Okay. But the second I started playing, Brandon was like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, ah! yeah, yeah. It's like, I just I got more intense than ever. And I banged myself on my lip. Oh. Major bruise. Yeah. Like, I like couldn't go out for a week because I was like, people are going to think I'm like in a domestic, like a bad domestic <laughs> situation here. Wait, where was that show? That was at Wonders of Nature. Okay. Yeah. No more. No mas. And, um, but then in Utrecht... Again, I was really nervous about that show with Pekka, and I, you know, pretty early on, I did a pretty vicious microphone swing, and boom, you're right. I chipped a small oh, corner of my tooth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. She put some of these... Uh... I know. <laughs> some of these pop my, filters on. That's what my brother said. Seriously? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll, like, screw up, like, your, your connection to the instrument, <laughs> but you might save some teeth. I think so the roulette thing do you just did one show or you did a number yeah that's kind of like the thing with the roulette residency as opposed to like the issue one right i think the issue one usually i I do three well i weaseled my way like i did a roulette residency uh six years ago okay and what i came back with was i was like okay you said i can have a week can i have two three and a half day periods uh to do to work to start a new band rehearse all day long record everything and then do a show Okay, and that's what I did. So you got the space for a long for two periods of time. Sesh. Yeah, I had I had three and a half days on each one, from you know like ten a.m. to eight p.m. or whatever. Perfect. Rehearsed a new band all day long, recorded everything, Perfect. then did a show, recorded it. Yeah, I mean, I th- that's the impression I get from roulette is like you can kind of do what you want. I think they they oh you can very much do yeah. What you I want. mean, in terms of like how many perform, I mean, I think they they tend to not want you to do more than two, right? But I think you can do up to two. I think you just got to kind of like, you like know. I think Amirtha did two. Right. This past year. Okay. But they said maybe more if you're like into like the, I don't know. Yeah. So you can't, and, but, but for me, yeah, I just did the one, I just did the one performance and, but they were incredibly gracious and They're generous in terms of me uh, going into the space and recording uh, piano and rehearsing with the piano there. That piano is gorgeous. So, uh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, sings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so I, I was in there many times just doing what was probably insane. I mean, it was just like boom, 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 boom. I mean, the piece was a little like 
annoying <laughs> for some people to hear, I'm sure. Yeah, but it's so great <clears throat> to be able to play in a room like that. Totally, totally. And the piano, as you said, yeah, is great. Yeah. And it's not super duper easy to get access to great yeah. No, I mean, for, in, in New you York, spend a lot of money, you know. There, there's no other venue with a piano like that available to people like us. No, no, there's not. <laughs> there's not. Yeah. So, like, there was no choice. I had to do like a piano. Piece yeah. Like actually, yeah. the last couple concerts I've done there, I've not used the piano, and it's like it's dumb not to. I don't know how to play the piano, but I should have figured out someone to like <laughs> come in and play the piano. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I sitting mean, there, like pushed off to the side of the stage. I mean, the I mean, what was also what was so generous with me too is that um, uh, my vision with my piano piece was um, it was it was kind of piano and electronics, uh-huh. minimal electronics, where I kind of surround four channels, and I just had uh, I really wanted the piano to be like in the middle. Of the, the four speakers. Oh yeah. And um, Jim, I, I was super nice of Jim. Oh, Jim's the best. They moved the piano off the stage for me and put it in the middle of the room. That's not an easy which, undertaking. No, they had to hire. Yeah. They, yeah. I won't yeah. even tell you how much it's supposed. Yeah, to yeah, cost. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's. So I mean, that was very, very, very. No, they generous. do. The, I, roulette always does the right thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you gonna go on Tuesday night? Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 The roulette yeah, Christmas party yeah. is legendary. <laughs> I've been told it's legendary. Been told. It's hilarious. Well, I want to go just because, like, I'm curious to check it out. I know, like, doesn't like Meredith Monk live upstairs? I haven't been. Yeah, I haven't been in a few years, but I could. I, mean, I have so many stories from the roulette Christmas party <laughs> that, like, I. It's like okay, I don't know like how important I am to anything, but I know that years from now I will be able to tell these stories of like, yeah, and then like Christian Wolf, you know, did this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's amazing. It's totally amazing like those and then like i know I, I don't know if you've been to any of the phil niblock concerts going on i've right never now. uh like you've never gone there and that no vibe, i that vibe. Okay. i need to but yeah, i just i don't you know six yeah, hours yeah. is like a it's a commitment oh okay okay yeah 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 yeah. i've not i haven't been either i've yeah. been either that's i didn't realize it was actually that long i think maybe even longer sometimes I mean, you probably could just go in and out I suppose, yeah. But, yeah but i feel like you know i want to do it if i'm gonna do it <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, this has been really fun. Yeah. I'm glad you came over. Blast. Thank yeah. you, Jeremiah. Thank you. Cat. All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. That was Cat Baird. She's cool. She's real cool. And I enjoyed that a lot. You know, you want to know something that's really fun about doing this podcast? Getting to meet people. And, uh, you know, discover that there's cool people all the time they're always showing up here and uh kaz certainly one of them she's a great musician she's an original person and uh i think we need more of that original 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 go to cabbear.com go to the 5049 website check out some past episodes uh when you join the patreon you'll get access to the entire archive which at this point is 90 episodes of talk. 90. Ned Rothenberg. Fred Frith. Uh, Ava Mendoza. Chris Speed. William Parker. The list goes on. Mary Halverson. Do that. Sign up for the Patreon. That's it. Hope you guys are all cool. Merry Christmas. Bye.